Hey, it's your host, Brittany, and welcome to the Mom Sweat Sanity Podcast, where we talk all things life, health, fitness, kids, relationships, you name it, nothing is off the table. A little bit of just me and a whole lot of knowledgeable guests. So throw on your Lulus to run or to mom, grab yourself a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, and join us as we unpack life's pressing topics and learn a little bit more of the who, what, whys of it all. Or at the very least, get real, share some wisdom, and grab practical tips to help in our daily lives. It kind of feels like movement brought us together and then movement is what's continuing to, it's like our language or our language of healing or whatever. It's like, you know, and, and it's kind of ironic because Maggie and I danced through grief together in high school through like, you know, separations of parents and like, you know, deaths and all of the things. And then, um, you know, and now we're, we're moving again for the same thing and moving for, you know, these boys who can't move. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today. Today I got to sit down with Maggie and Kasha together. They are the MASH movement. They have had 35 years of experience mashing together in life. And they are mashing together again in the MASH movement. Movement, awareness, service, and health. These core values are the drivers of their social platform, and the aim to help end Duchenne muscular dystrophy, a rare and fatal disease that has been handed to Cash's son, Jude. Please tune in today to learn, to listen, and to be inspired by two amazing women. As they say, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Welcome. Thank you for taking the time to be here. And I'd love... um, Maggie and Kasha, both of you, to give us a little bit of who you are and, um, yeah, a little bit of your background. I'm Maggie, and uh, I'm the first half of the MASH being MA, and Kasha, the second half of the MASH. We're two best friends, sisters from other mothers that have come together over, you know, the last 35 years of our experience and bringing in um, education, healthcare, fitness, and community work, and especially the most important jobs as moms. And our movement, our MASH movement stands for movement, awareness, service, and health. And we just really had this call to action as best friends and in the hopes of one day potentially being in the same place, um, but creating something that would give us an opportunity to be together, work together, and give back, raise awareness, and of course, the heart of our movement around raising and uh, Amplifying the voices of fam- for families with living with kids with living with Duchenne muscular dystrophy, of course, Cassius and Jude. So we actually brought our mission statement that we thought we could share too that would, might explain Please. it. So Absolutely. yeah, uh, so MASH standing for movement, awareness, service and health. These core values are the drivers of our social platform and international fundraising events. We aim to help end Duchenne muscular dystrophy, a rare and fatal disease handed to Cassius son, Jude. One spontaneous mutation in his X chromosome means he cannot produce the protein needed to keep his muscles intact. For him, time is muscle. So for us, we that drives our movement, that drives our advocacy work and wanting to raise awareness and essentially defeat Duchenne. Our story is about the power of mashing with others. We are two lifelong friends, sisters, and determined women. And I'm not sure if you've seen our logo, um, but it has the two X's in the middle. And those 
two X's um, represent the Greek symbol of Ingus, which translates to where there's a will, there's a way, and being the X chromosome as well. These words serve as our guiding mantra as we fight for those who need us. Our work is rooted in bringing agency to the social inequities that exist in the arena of rare disease and disability. Our mission, however, extends beyond rare disease. We want to connect our communities from east to west and even more so on a global um, front, encouraging people to move, especially for those who can't. And raising awareness, not just in physical movement, but also creating movement maybe with our thoughts emotionally along the way and creating accessible movement. We truly believe in hope and not just for those suffering with Duchenne, from Duchenne, but for anyone who is journeying through hardship. No matter what you are carrying, know we were always here for you, waiting and ready to mash. And we just believe in connection and community. Oh my gosh. There's so much within that to unpack. And I think that everyone can feel a part of that. Um, movement, awareness, service, health, that's just like all encompassing. And your message is all inspiring. That's for sure. How long has the MASH movement, I, I did hear in a previous podcast that you guys, I think it was, it came from childhood, just this name of MASH. Is that right? Um, did you know that this was something that you were going to be taking, you know, further down this road from that age? You knew you wanted to kind of build on that or where did well, that come from? It's sort of, we were actually walking along Main Street in Vancouver and we just kept on coming up with different little how can we work together being so far apart? What can we create? And Cash and I have always sort of been, we like to think we always have very deep conversations and we wanted it to be bigger than something like of a clothing brand or a product. And as we started talking, we were like, what if we brought our names together, Maggie and Kasha, which made MASH. And we joked about it being like that game, uh, mansion, apartment, shack or house. It's not I, I that. love that. Oh I my know gosh. my brother jokes, well, at least you guys have a moving company. <laughs> And then we started to be like, what do those stand for? And as we started to acknowledge the movement, awareness, service, and health, we, we recognized that prior to even starting this and, and taking it off the ground, we were actually living this. Like whether I was living it in my community, Kasha was, but even with our own families, we were doing this together. We've always sort of had, sort of had this sense of with our own children. And I think it starts from our journey as kids with our mothers and their influence on us of really being in awareness of how our movement, whether it was our dance background or playing soccer out for hikes, but, and being, how can we be of service to ourselves through our movement and also to our communities? And it sort of has just naturally and organically grown from this. And really it's only just been over a year now that we started this. And last year, as we, looked at one year, all the different mashups that we call them when we meet with other fitness leaders or community leaders, we were sort of in awe by ourselves of and humbled by the support that we've had from each of our communities and complete strangers. And then I think our biggest accomplishment last year was looking at our 20 days of live in the movement where we combined a group of 45 um, fitness leaders and advocates around the world and brought together 25 days of movement to raise awareness um, for Duchenne's in honor of Jesse's journey's 25 year anniversary. Oh, wow. That's so amazing. Oh, 
And I think, as you also mentioned and noted, the community factor of it all and just in MASH and all of your what it means really within that in itself is a community connection. And the more that you're able to speak on all of those levels really does allow everyone to feel connected to it. So I think that you you both have done such an amazing job already and the awareness that you are putting out there you know, it just, for me anyways, urges me to want to do more, want to learn more and really just want to listen. So thank you again for being here. You, um, Maggie, made mention of, of Duchenne and Kasha, are you able to explain a little bit further about Duchenne and what it is for all of us that really don't understand, as you have said before, it's a rare disease. It's a, it's a silence disease because not too many of us know about it. Yeah, you bet. So my son, Jude, um, he's eight now. And at the age of four, he was diagnosed with um, Duchenne muscular dystrophy, also known as DMD. DMD is a, it's a neuromuscular disorder and it's a deteriorating degenerative muscular disorder. Um, it's, it impacts boys. Typically girls can have it, but it's quite rare that a girl has it. And that's because um, what causes um, Duchenne is a mutation in the X chromosome. And that mutation results in um, an inability to produce a protein called dystrophin. And when we lack the protein dystrophin, we lack the ability to keep our muscles intact. Our dystrophin is kind of like the glue that keeps our muscles intact. So if you and I work out and we break down our muscles, that dystrophin is there to help rebuild the muscle, keep it strong and keep it going. And without that, the result is a deterioration of the muscle. And instead of growing back and having stronger muscle, you end up with um, scar tissue and fat deposits. So over time, that equals contractures in the muscles and joints and um, uh, a lack of movement and ability. It's a complex disease. It's a whole body disease, really, because um, it's not just about what we see on the outside with these boys and their lack of uh, mobility, but it we know that muscle, you know, takes up about 40 to 60% of our body. So um, when you think about it, it affects because the heart is made of muscle, your respiratory muscles are needed to breathe. So it's the, you know, it's not so much the things that we see on the outside. Okay, well, that person needs help walking or that person's in a wheelchair, but it's really what's going on inside the body. And we also know that with a lack of dystrophin, it can affect the brain. So we have a lot of, um, there can be some cognitive uh, um, challenges because of the lack of dystrophin. Um, it's rare. There's about eight, seven to 800 kids, uh, boys in total that are affected. And the reason why I say boys going back to the X chromosome is because typically when it's a female can be a carrier of it, but they have another X and that other X will compensate and produce the dystrophin. So when the, when the mom, um, sometimes hands that, that mutated X down unknowingly, um, then the, of course, with the boys, they have an X and a Y, so they don't have that other X to compensate. However, in Jude's case, and this is, again, which makes his case even more rare, about 10% of boys diagnosed with DMD, um, it, it happens spontaneously, which means there's no rhyme or reason. It was just a genetic mishap. I, am, I got tested, and I am not a carrier. So um, it was... Yeah, it was just a genetic thing that a happened. And yeah, just, you know, we all have genes that just want to mutate. And so that's that was the case for Jude. Um, uh, there's about one in 3,500 boys who will have it um, uh, in, in birth. 
Um, I don't know what else to say. It's just, it's, it's, so it's a doozy of a gene because the dystrophin gene is one of the longest genes in our body. It's about 79 axons long or pieces long. So there's a ton of different ways that it can present because we know that dystrophin strand or that gene is so long that each boy will have a different mutation on a different part of that strand. And, and with that comes a different presentation. So it's really challenging for researchers to nail down a cure or nail down treatments because with 75 possible different mutations and the way that they present, it it looks different. And so they're working really hard. Um, Jude is on a steroid uh, treatment right now. It's a trial steroid, but um, basically all that's doing is suppressing his immune system and slowing things down. There is no cure. Um, the questions that I always get asked are, well, how long? Like, what does this look like? I mean, Duchenne is one of the most progressive um, and severe types of muscular dystrophy that you can have. And boys typically, we're told, you know, we're likely that he'll be in a wheelchair by the age of 12 and we'll be lucky if he lives into his 20s. And that is our reality. So if you can imagine being a mom, it's like you were given a ticking clock with this diagnosis. So every day is muscle, every movement is muscle. And so for us, back to what Maggie says, one of our quotes that we use is from Arthur Ashe and it's, start where you are, use what you can, and or you start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. And that's exactly what we do. And we just use that as our guiding mantra. And we just say, you know, every day, just little by little, if we can bring awareness, because it's rare, because the voices aren't, um, we don't have a collective voice. Um, you know, it's not like, you know, um, oncology or other other diagnosis that people can really relate to because they've known somebody with it or um, even I'm a nurse I before the diagnosis I had never heard of it I had it never had never crossed my path and so it's um, even that we that's why we have even a, a, a higher sense of urgency be, not only because it's um, it's so such a severe diagnosis but because we don't have the numbers, so we really have to be loud and we have to just really continue our work and our advocacy with that. So, And as you mentioned, there's, you know, 75 notches that it could occur on. And so how many, you know, how many can be diagnosed from day one and how many go how many years without even knowing what is what they're dealing with and how they're feeling and, and what the name of that is and, and why? You said you found um, you Jude was diagnosed when he was four. Yeah, he was diagnosed when he was four. I knew in my little mama heart that something yeah. wasn't right. And I kept pushing and pushing and I took him in a few times and I kept getting told, you know, he's just a late bloomer and not to worry about it. And I knew better. And, and I finally just self uh referred my, I just did a self-referral to our children's therapy center. And I got a physiotherapist to do what's called a Peabody assessment, which really like they gauge, they do time to stand, they do time to walk a certain distance. And they, it, 
you know, medical professionals, and I know this because I am one, we like numbers. And sometimes like you can listen to the patient, but sometimes if the numbers aren't lining up, you're thinking, okay, well, what's really going on? But that was doing that gave me the ability to go back and and say, I have some concrete numbers and the results aren't looking good. Like this is more than just a late bloomer. And the problem, I mean, there's so much, uh, there's, it's very political in, in the rare disease, uh, you know, arena because we don't have, so it goes back to, we don't have proper screening at birth. Um, in Canada, we don't have a, a rare disease policy and, and, and really, uh, good care standards to help guide the screening and the treatment. Uh, right now, we don't have any approved treatments in Canada. We have, there's six approved treatments, and that includes not only steroids, but like we're talking gene therapies that help um, mend some of those mutations. There is two approved um, drugs right now for Jude's specific mutation. His mutation is between uh, 47 and 52. So that those notches, those axons is what we call them. And there is two approved therapies right now, both in the, in, in the U.S. And, and abroad and, and other countries. So as a mom, it's hard to see that because we don't have anything here in Canada. So we're fighting that battle as well. The treatments are very expensive. Um, this one particular drug that Jude needs is about five hundred to a million dollars a year. Oh, so um, how? That's yeah. just, and you you said so there are treatments specifically there, but it's um, it's a treatment, not a cure, correct? Because there's no cures right now. Yeah. And are those elsewhere? They're not in Canada still to this time. No, there's no cure. But however, these treatments, what they would do is um, they kind of patch they it, like to simplify it, not to get too nerded out in the science of it, but it, it almost creates like a patch where that mutation is, so that. They can, it can, the strand can be red and he can produce some protein. It, it won't be a perfect protein, but it would be something. So that would give him a little bit of a boost of dystrophin. Um, it would give him something, right? Mm -hmm. So something is better than nothing. And that could buy us some time and quality of life. So they're working on it. There's a lot of um, science going on around, you know, I'm sure people have heard about the CRISPR gene and, and some of that stuff. And um, their work scientists are working really hard, but you know, um, it, for us, it's like, we, we don't need the treatments now. We needed them like yesterday, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so it, every day you're just, uh, you're on edge and you're just hoping for and wishing for miracles. And part of our mash is just that it, it's really just living in possibility yeah. and not just for our cause, but for anybody who's carrying anything, like Maggie said, I mean, life can be hard. And we've seen that this last year. And, you know, we, and with we, possibility, there's hope, right? Yeah. You need that. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're basically just here to say, you know, we're ready to mash with you and with, and help carry whatever you're holding and, and, you know, vice versa. And we ask the same and we can do this together. And Megan, I really believe it's, it's people who lift people. It's not things, it's people this year has taught us that it's not about whether we can do hard things. It's who we do them with. And that's the, that's the magic. So that you couldn't have said that better. I totally agree. It's who you surround yourself with. And sometimes it's the people that you least expect that will surprise you in those moments too. Oh, I, totally. I mean, I've had people, I have this, this community of people out East that I keep talking about these people that whose faces I've never met 
who keep showing up for our family, who keep showing up for our events, who, you know, and I mean, I, I just like, I can't, my heart is just like, I, you know, these, these people are just coming out of nowhere. And I, 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 that's what fuels me. That's what makes me realize, you know what, Kasia, you are not alone. And our family feels that. I think what we've learned too, is this, um, I don't want to speak on your behalf, Cash, but you know, this mashing with other people, what's also um, sort of like been a ripple effect through all these movement classes that we've, you know, done with other community fitness leaders. We've also started this, um, which has lent itself to actually being a part of a book, but is storytelling. And I think it's been really neat to have a story behind our why that instantly connects people. And then from sharing, whether it's Jude's situation or we've, you know, mashed up with other, you know, other organizations to do things is that somebody else hears themselves in that story or has a story that connects back to it, that then they instantly, I think there's this, there's this sense of urgency to want to be a part of the movement, whether it's our movement or us helping mash with their movement. And I think that's our ultimate goal is that we just continue being for other people, like Kasha said, rather than human, you know, we're not doings, human doings, we're human beings. And we just want to be for one another. And it's been really cool through COVID to think that we've maintained or even grow in this community on a virtual um, ability. And here we are even meeting with you, like just from storytelling to get connected with you has been a gift in itself. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. I think that the pause in the world that we had for the past year, um, you know, there was blessing and curse in it, but being able to find the ways to connect with people that we never would have ever in the past or have met, or, you know, they're just, everyone needed that level of connection and that, that new, new sense of hope and growth, being able to speak now, just, just the three of us here and, kind of get to know each other on that level too. It's just, it is a blessing. And for me as a mom and learning knowledge, sharing everything, those, those connecting pieces are so important to me and just building that community and um, yeah, just being able to share your platform to as many people that will listen to my platform um, just brings me a lot of joy too. And um, I'm just so honored again to be able to do that. So I know you were you were briefly going through the cost and the availability and everything for Duchenne's and I guess Canada has its positives and its negatives in the same time. Um, and it is just speaking more awareness is that is that really what's going to change things bringing more awareness and, and yeah, speaking of it, what do you think Kasha and Maggie? Yeah, I mean, it is about bringing awareness. And, you know, I've done we've, we've partnered. So we do a lot of partner work with Jesse, Maggie mentioned Jesse's journey, which is the only um, charity in, in Canada that solely focuses on research for a cure. And Jesse's journey started by a man um, named John Davidson. And John Davidson's son was diagnosed with Duchenne in the 80s. And back then, doctors would tell the parents, um, go home, love your kids as long as you have them. We have nothing for you. And that was it. And he walked out of the hospital and said, this isn't fair. And I don't want any parent to be told there is nothing we can do. And so he set off, like, so Maggie had talked about our 25 days of live in the movement. And that was in honor of him and his, the journey that he created back in those days. And he set off on foot and walked across Canada and raised um, grassroots uh, donations, enough money to start this charity. And then um, 25 years later, 
um, they are, you know, when they're sitting on the international platform and, and giving millions back to treatments and to research. Um, so it is that it is. And it started with a parent who just said, you know what, I'm, this isn't good enough. And that's kind of what Maggie and I are doing. We're just like, we can do better than this. And, you know, boys like you deserve better than this. And, you know, health shouldn't be a privilege. It's a human right. And, um, make some you know, noise. Yeah, we got to So we got to stay loud. And, and so like Maggie said, our awareness has extended beyond movement, um, beyond bringing to people together through physical movement. And we talk a lot about that. We say, you know, it's not just about bringing people together in physical movement, but it's about, you know, working people's muscles, those intuitive, not, not just the tangible muscles, but the muscles of compassion and, and, and empathy and, um, and generosity and just love for each other. And those are the muscles that really we need in this world to, to, to just exercise those muscles of the heart. Right. Um, and we've, and we've used storytelling to bring awareness. And recently Maggie and I both co-authored, um, chapters in a book called the mom babes and it's a bunch of um, moms who have joined together to share their 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 truths of motherhood including their struggles and hardship and you know the ups and downs the buoyancy of womanhood and and Maggie and I each contributed a, a chapter and mine is you know uh, speaks to this journey that I've been on and um you know the grief living in anticipatory grief. It's, it's a, it's a hard place to live, but it's, you know, it's, it's trying to figure that out. And for me, it's always just been about the people that have supported me through this, including Maggie. Like I can't imagine not having a human like her in my, in my life. And, and, uh, and Maggie's chapter speaks to her, you know, to her story and how, um, you know, the struggle of her living out East and the, and the disconnect that that can bring, but how we, you know, that, that it's not a this or that it's not just, you know, I live out here and this is really hard, but it's like, yeah, I live out here and I can still find connection and I can still find hope. And I can, and just like my story, you know, I am struggling with this, but there is that. And it's this, and, you know, this is really hard and I can do things to, to, to try to make it better that I do have that, like staying within our circle of influence or, our you know, what's, what's available, right? Back to that quote, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Right. I love that quote. Yeah, definitely a resignation. So what you both shared some significant, obviously life journeys together and, um, we will have to read your book. <laughs> Definitely. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, I have pre-bought. Pre I can't wait to get it. Thank you. <laughs> but we'll leave that one in the show notes for sure. Um, but I want to ask you girls something. What do you look up to most and what qual in one another and what qualities about each other do you admire most? Oh, I'm going to, well, I'll try to do this without crying. Um, <laughs> I always joke that Cash is like my older sister. She's got one year on me. But um, as you'll learn if you, when you pick up our book, um, and if you heard it, if some of you have heard our keynote speak in the past, but Kasha, um, we lost Kasha's mom in our 20s, our early 20s. And I say our mom because she was like a second mom to me. And I think 
from that day. And actually before that, Cash's mom, sorry, Cash, without sharing your story too much, was diagnosed with cancer when we were even younger than that at 16. And, you know, at 16 in my world, um, that was like a really scary word. And I, I just remember right from that get-go, like how incredibly brave and strong and wise Kasha was immediately. It was almost like she was holding me up for her own mom. And then, you know, five years later, um, there was, you know, the second diagnosis. And then unfortunately, when we lost Kasha's mom, and I think, and then of course, this um, awful news of, um, you know, the journey that we are both navigating, but in particular, Kasha as a mom to her son um, with a fatal disease is that Kasha continues to demonstrate what it means to put one's foot in front of the other. And with such a positive, she's very funny. And this optimistic outlook that like, we can do this just like Glennon Doyle. I've, I've quoted her before, but like, we can do hard things. And if there's somebody that models that, and also the ability to put herself in other people's shoes and be for other people, even when she's handed what she's been handed is honestly, one of the most remarkable things. And she's so wise. I think one of the things that I've been in most on, I don't think I've told Kasha this as she's gotten older, um, wiser, um, is that she is constantly learning and she has like inspired me to, you know, really take on learning with a whole new outlook. And I always have been modeled by this by my grandparents, but I'm, I'm really in awe of Kasha's ability to always be learning and not just about her own things, but about other people. And that's been my my new aha in her over the last couple of years. So she's incredible. I'm very lucky to get to mash with her. Oh, I don't even know how to how to top that. But I the only way I can describe Maggie is, um, and I was actually talking about this with my husband last night. And I'm definitely not going to be able to get through this without crying. But um, I teach a lot in um, I teach palliative care, so. <laughs> you know, my work has been around death and dying and really just like, you know, reflecting on those pieces and understanding people's needs in that. And one thing that I say is when people are in grief, and I've talked about this before, it's like, the only feeling I can give to it is it's it's like you're sitting in a in a pot of hot stew or soup, like you're in it, and it's so uncomfortable, and you're floating around and you feel alone. And you have people sometimes that will sit on the edge of the pot and they'll look down at you and they'll say, you know, I'm here if you need me. And, you know, they'll reach out a, a hand and they'll, they might throw something down to you. And, you know, but Maggie, she's one of those people that she cannonballs into the pot with you and she's swimming with you and she's with you. And it's not just sitting on the periphery, like she's actually in the discomfort. So that takes a special human. And I just, I don't know what else to say. Like her ability to really, um, it's not just empathy. It's not just, you know, it, it's almost like she's living in it with you. And, um, yeah, I just, in my, in the depths of my despair, like Maggie has been there through thick and thin. And despite the fact of living on the other side of the country, she still is there. She's still not only swimming in it with me, but she's rallying the troops to say, Hey, everybody come in and jump in. Like, you know, we can't do this alone. And 
she somehow is able to just rally this team of people that continue to come into the that sense of discomfort into the hot soup is what I call it. There's no other way to describe it than that, you know? Well, there's definitely a reason that you guys um, were meant to find each other as friends and definitely the reason the MASH movement is here in the first place. And I'm just kind of shaking, trying not to totally bawl as you speak at the moment, because uh, you just you feel you feel both of your compassion for everything that you've been speaking of today. So um, I I'm so glad to get to know both of you and thank you for sharing a little bit of each of each other right there as well. Um, I am going to ask you a question. I'm not sure if you guys have heard or are aware of Jessica Jensen. She um, has um, a foundation called the Lewiston. Yes. Um, I've seen that on Instagram. Yeah. So um, she lost her son Lewiston when he was six months old of SMA and Recently, I was listening to something from her because it's it's hard to know from a person on the outside when we're talking to someone that is facing such a big, big life with their children. Um, and she said, you know, we don't want to hear how are you because that's just such an open, endless, you know, like, how do I fill that void? And so she says, how about what is the state of your heart? And I'd love to know both of the state of your hearts before we can finish off today. What we can do for you and what the state of your hearts are. My, the state of my heart is, um, it, it's in flux. It's always, it's open and then it's closed and um, it, it's, you know, it's hopeful and then it's grieving. And, um, you know, it, it's in constant change. And I think with Maggie and I in our work in our yogic yogi, like our little yogi um, mythology, like we're just, you know, we're learning and I'm definitely learning the, the art of not being an attachment. And that's really hard. That is really, and I mean, anybody who's done that work, it, so not being attached to the outcome, but staying in hope um, and sitting in the groundlessness of it all. And I have moments where I'm very hopeful and then I have moments where, you know, you know, how do you answer your son when he's asking why me or when he's, you know, he, he doesn't understand why he can't do some of the things that he sees other kids doing. And that's really hard. So, you know, my heart is constantly breaking and, and then coming back together and breaking and coming back together. And what I've learned is it's okay. That, you know, that's what hearts do. And that the more scars that we have in our heart is a, you know, it, it it's a display of all the love that we have and the love and the loss. And, you know, that is the journey of life. So I don't and I think that no one can actually ask, ask, how are you? Um, properly if they don't want to hear it and receive it. And so thank you for being so honest and open. Yeah. And I, you know, how are you as a, it, it's, it's a hard question. It's a very, um, where do you start? And sometimes I think depending on where I'm at, I might just say, oh, I'm fine. But the reality is you're never fine. Right. It, it's, um, 
and and it's been hard to open up. I mean, Maggie can say this. I was always someone growing up that I kept my cards pretty close to my heart. And this diagnosis, it's been so hard, but at the same time, it is building me to who I need to become. And it has broken me open. So um, that has been the silver lining for me is it, it, it's really cracked me to not be so scared to be vulnerable and to share. And, um, and yeah, and for me, what, what makes my heart happy is when I see people learning about it or talking about it or um, asking about it or just, you know, sh showing that they're interested or showing that they they care and that just really understanding that, you know, that we are humans and that we're all in this together. And, mm -hmm. you know, we have a place for each other and helping support each other in different capacities with whatever people are carrying. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. Maggie, how is your heart? Uh, in, you know, in this moment, I would agree with Kasha that, um, like it's sort of ever changing, but you know, in the last week in particular, it's so hopeful and sitting in this place of, you know, gratitude, like even you just, again, like giving us this opportunity to share what the mash is. And it's not about, you know, cash and I, it's about amplifying the voices of how we can raise awareness for people in need. And obviously specifically for Jude. And then for me, um, my heart is constantly in flux of feeling deeply. Um, I don't know if it's sad or just there is an ache that I want to be back to like Kasha's family. So to think that when the days are tough for Kasha or her husband, or of course our little Jude or his, his sister Kaya, what I wish I could do is just to be able to drive over and pick up the kids or drop off a meal. Um, I think that that's one thing in this journey that has, you know, just really reiterated. I mean, I have a wonderful home here and an incredible community, but I am on a roller coaster of aching to be able to be more helpful if that's possible, um, you know, physically for them. But I, this, this week I'm feeling so hopeful in being able to share and spread our awareness and really in gratitude for the community that is growing. Well, thank you. Thank you both for spending some time with me today. And um, where can we all find you? I will definitely link everything in the show notes. And are you doing more yoga soon that we can link on to also? I know that you're both yoga teachers as well. Yeah, we're good. we're hoping to have, um, a, actually, we're, gonna, we're mashing with um, a local girl here who started something called Free Flow Athletic. Yeah, and it's... Um, a clothing line, a fitness line that gives back to the environment. And we're going to do that in honor of Earth Day. So you can oh, join us on Zoom for um, a yoga class. And one lucky winner will be gifted. Or sorry, one lucky yogi will be gifted one of her beautiful outfits. Her name is Emily Ratchford. You can find her at Free Flow. And we just launched our website, which we're super excited about. So you can find us there or at The MASH Movement on Facebook and Instagram. Cash, you want to chime yes. in there? So our, we're learning all sorts of tools for our toolbox. So Maggie and I ha, um, have just got our website up. So that is www. I, I put too many W's in there. Three W's. <laughs> www.themashmovement.squarespace.com. And on the website, you'll see um, we'll be keeping it up to date with our latest and greatest events. 
um, which are like Maggie said online uh, right now because of COVID and and our distance. And but yeah, the great thing about moving online right now is like we've been telling folks who maybe have been thinking about trying yoga or movement. Um, and are nervous, it's a great time to start because you can do it from the comfort of your home. You don't have to share your screen. You don't even have to unmute. You can just play around and feel into your body. So we'll be, uh, like Maggie said, we'll, our next event will be coming up around uh, Earth Day. And then we have our book on there, um, The Mom Babes. Uh, it's a motherhood anthology. And that's it's under- not just for moms. Yeah. Yes, because we there's, uh, there's stories in there of what and yeah there's stories in there for everyone and and it's not just for moms it's it's um sisterhood journey it's it's life life yeah so that's up on there and you can um you can find that under our merchandise or merch uh section in our website and yeah we're just at the mash movement and on instagram and facebook and we love when people connect with us and ask us questions and you know, you can email us or contact us through our website or at um, at the mash movement at gmail.com. So reach out. We're always and if you if you know somebody or um, maybe you're listening to this and you know other families who are struggling with uh, with Duchenne, connect them, please connect them, because like I said, through the, through our work with Jesse's journey, we've been trying to connect families together over Zoom so that um uh, that so that they don't feel isolated because we know what I'm hearing from families is like because it's so rare. Like I, for me, I know that there's nobody here in Kamloops that has uh, a son with DMD, so um, it's hard to f- not feel alone sometimes in that. So it's it's always nice to connect with people, even if it's just virtually. So absolutely. Well, thank you both. And for everyone listening, maybe think about what you're doing for movement, awareness, service, and health in your own daily lives. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. I was just so honored, as I did say a million times, by the presence of Maggie and Kasha and for them allowing me the space to learn and to listen and to ask the questions. Through conversation and through awareness, there is hope. So find your people and find your community and keep on bringing awareness. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it. See you next week. You can find me on Instagram at MomSweatSam.com.